movies by minutes. Project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best settled up now, kids, because here we go. Howdy, and welcome back to... No, no, no. no. Uh, how about just howdy, partner? No? No. Maybe? No. Howdy. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts, like us, examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan written and directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Dave Forsyth, one of your hosts. And I'm the other one, Todd Lucas. We are from the similarly titled Edge of Tomorrow Minute, which does pretty much the same thing as this podcast does for the movie Edge of Tomorrow, but we do it all by ourselves. We don't let anybody else come talk about our movie. That's just... That's not true. <laughs> no, that's true. Well, I mean, we, we, are, we are on every episode. Oh, yes, yeah, so we are on every episode, but sometimes we yeah. do ask people to come help us out. <laughs> yeah. we, we often need people to come help us out because, well, just because. You'll, you'll get a picture over the next five days of why we need to come help us out. <laughs> all right, don't scare them away yet. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry. No, I mean, we do a real good job sometimes, but we're here for the next week, for the rest of this week, I suppose, since it's Monday, to talk about minutes 41 through 45. Is that 46? Is that the right math? 41 through, 41 through 46, right? Really? For, no. For, no, five, one, 45, one, you're two, right. Yeah, 45. Yeah, because <laughs> it's inclusive of one. Anyway, like I said, we're here to talk about minute 41, which opens with some crawling cowboys and ends with a curious outlaw. Yeah, um, yeah. The way as I have put it, a bunch of grown men crawling around in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's. I mean, you basically just encapsulated this whole movie. So. Mm -hmm. Well, you yeah. know, that's how you play cowboys, right? Crawl around in the dirt and go yeah. pew pew. Yeah, pew that's pew. I mean, what? no, I guess we went bang bang, right? I yeah, mean, it was more of a pew bang pew. It's like aliens and well, it was Star Wars is when I started pew pewing. Apparently, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay. No. Yes. Right. So we crawl around in the dirt, go bang bang. Cowboy. Yeah. And just because Lawrence Kasdan is here does not mean this is Star Wars. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and get right into it then. Because, I mean, Larry, if I can call him Larry, I mean, he's sort of a fixture, right? I mean, this is not his... I mean, this is not the, the first thing you saw from him. Right. Were you about to say not his first rodeo? <laughs> no, I wasn't. But that's pretty good. Maybe <laughs> I, was, I was like, is he trying not to make the pun? <laughs> Oh no! If there's a pun that pops in my head, I just <laughs> I just say it. I don't, no. don't self-edit the puns, but but I mean, definitely not the first thing he's done. I mean, obviously, because he's he's being allowed to direct the film. Uh, you don't get <laughs> sure. to do that when it's your first thing. I mean, but I mean, it's not not the first thing you would have seen from him either. Oh right? God, I mean, no! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even as it, a small child, uh, you know, we'd been watching, like I said, Star Wars, and he was he was involved in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So yeah. Even back then, there was those two movies that I knew. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, this is eighty five, so this is post Jedi, post Raiders, post. Yep. Well, if it's post Ra Jedi, it's post Empire, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and those are just his writing credits, right? Like, right. Uh, he's. This is not his directorial debut either, and I'm sure there have been other people 
who've t- gone through his credits, but you know, he kind of starts off with a very um, adult sort of procession, you, Body Heat and The Big Chill. Um, right. Not not movies you probably would have seen in the eighties because of the age you were in the eighties and right. Was, and we didn't have cable yet either. So, <laughs> did you see Silverado as a child? As a I youngster? saw it on cable because uh, it's right in that sweet spot when I was seeing everything. You know, 85 was in 86 were basically those years where we got to see everything basically for free where I lived because our <laughs> sure. local cable provider, if you could call it that, had no clue how to lock everything down. <laughs> yeah. So if you got something, you got everything. Oh, yeah. We had we had all four movie channels. That was basically what cable was about back then. So oh, fancy. Yeah, it was what uh, Showtime, HBO, Cinemax and the movie channel. Right. We, we didn't have, like, I remember we didn't ever have cable when I was a kid. So I I missed out a lot of the stuff unless it was, you know, at your house, because again, I think I failed to mention on a podcast that we are related. We're cousins. It happens sometimes. Um, Spent a lot of time (laughs) together as, as the youths. So, I mean, I saw a lot of stuff on cable at, at other people's houses because I don't know. My parents didn't love me. They sent me away. (laughs) Um, (laughs) or, uh, or, or I don't know why. But yeah, I, I definitely remember seeing this movie in parts, and I thought I had seen the whole thing. And when I sat down to rewatch it for this project, I'm not sure that I had seen the whole no. thing. I'm I'm absolutely backwards from that because when we started working on this project, I was pretty sure that I'd seen one part. I'm like, okay, I think that thing that I have a memory of was Silverado. And then I sat down and watched the movie. And I'm like, I've seen this whole thing. I remember all this. <laughs> so I don't know how I didn't remember it all together, but I guess it's because I saw it in parts. But yeah, there wasn't really anything missing, except I guess I didn't know who Jeff Goldblum was back in the day. So when he showed mm, up, as be. it just seemed random. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it still seems that way until you are trying to figure out that they were cramming in it. I mean, was he a star back then? I don't really know. Was he like coming into? Well, you know, we've, we've worked on other things you know, that he released right around here. So I think he True. was working True. on becoming big. He was a known quantity. Yes. He's that's way out of our spec for this. For oh this yeah. Minute. So that's Jeff Goldblum's in this movie. Well, that's, that's all we're going to tell you about it. So mm. hooray. Back here to, to minute 41. We, we see, well, we see three seasoned cowboys or cowboys. I, I don't know what we're, call these guys they don't really work with cattle so <laughs> uh, but they're in the west so we'll call them cowboys but we see mal emmett and payden i don't know what kind of name payden is i assume that's his last name but and uh and then we get conrad the supposed husband of rosanna arquette's supposed character anna <laughs> supposed character I, I, I still don't quite <laughs> get the her role in this movie, but from what I understand, a lot of her stuff was cut out. I, I don't know why. It's a time. pretty long movie already. So, yeah, true, anything true. having to do with her would have been a talky talky bit. And Probably this true. movie has plenty of those already. So, <laughs> so yeah, we see the, those four Mal, Emmett, Payton, and Conrad all crawling towards the edge of a cliff overlooking a box canyon. You know, hopefully, the previous posts of this have all run down the credits for the for the big three that I already mentioned right? that are hanging out over the rim because I don't really want to do it, but uh, we probably should give old Conrad here some time because he, he may not be with us very long, but he <laughs> he's played by Rusty Myers who has a fairly long list of credits, but I'm not terribly familiar with any of them. <laughs> he seemed to have a lot of cowboy roles early in his career and a lot of Vegas space roles 
in the more recent years, with a healthy dose of cop ro- cop roles in between. IMDb almost also lists him as a casting director, hmm. so it seems like he might have had a healthy career in in the pictures somewhere, but maybe not a lot of acclaim, which is fine. You know, it takes takes a village. He had previously played Rosanna Arquette's boyfriend in a made-for-TV movie, The Ordeal of Patty Hearst. So this is a bit of an upgrade for both of them. <laughs> do, you, do you think that Arquette just told the casting director who to pick? He's like, here, just just get him. He's a cowboy. He'll do it. It'll be fine. We've worked together. Maybe. I mean, she, yeah, she was a a, a name-ish at that point. Well, yeah. I mean, Desperately Seeking Susan would have been like right before this, but I think it was like, Right before this, I don't know if that would even come up at times. Right, well, she's a big enough name that she shows up in the in the pre credits of this movie. True, true. So yeah, I think she gets like third billing or something. Yeah, it's it's pretty far up. So that yeah. you know that gives more credence to the weird statement that a lot of her stuff got left on the editing room floor. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. shot tons more, and so she still got credit. Yeah, but anyway, that's yep. again that's somebody else's minutes. <laughs> right. You you can kind of see that Conrad's the greenhorn yeah. of this group because everyone else, as they approach the rim, is laying down and they real flat and they take their hat off and so that they can't be seen. But nope, not Conrad. He he keeps his hat on and props himself up on his elbow and his shiny barrel of his rifle is sticking up in the air. So yep, he's he's I call him the babysitter in my notes, but he's kind of a moron, you know. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's in full red shirt status here at this yeah. point i think so. he's not um he's not taking cues from the seasoned hombres around him yeah that's for sure i mean and they're certainly not going out of their way to explain things to him right so. oh no if he gets his head shot off he gets his head shot off <laughs> yeah. we told him not to come i mean what yeah but as emmett's the last one to to get to the edge and he does a full-on elbow crawl to to get up there and um, as he gets up there we see a bit over the ridge and we can see a fairly established camp you know it's got at least wooden one one wooden structure that is kind of built up but it's got just leaves for a or branches for a roof which is yeah it's normal but before we get away i've got a question yeah do you think that emmett's leather pants are just a bit too tight um because that's what's dead center on the camera for a good long bit (laughs) you know what I, i i'd have never worn leather clothing other than like belts and shoes probably maybe gloves and i know there's a lot of change in the shape of leather over the time that you wear it yeah so i i can't imagine that it would be easy to keep leather pants like real leather leather pants in such a tight fashion for very yeah. long yeah they're shiny still usually that's the first place that wears is your seat so yeah yeah I know they're not, they're not skin tight like you would see these days, but right, right. as soon as you bend your leg, just a little bit, I mean, he's laying with his legs completely straight. So there seems to be a bit of give, but leather like changes over time, but it doesn't give in the moment. So if something traumatic were to happen, you, he would injure himself, right? Theoretically, I, you're talking to the wrong guy. Like I said, I've uh, <laughs> leather pants have never been oh, no. an item that I wanted to never, to never for me either. Stick my posterior into so yeah <laughs> yeah well they like it like you said you know leather shoes and leather belts especially and i mean i've I've had moments when i've hurt myself wearing a leather belt you know it's like if there just been a little <laughs> bit of give maybe there wouldn't be like this horrible abrasion there i suppose yeah <laughs> stretch leather is that a thing i don't, I don't know no 
No. Okay. It'd be some sort of faux leather. <laughs> some, yeah, something. But like I said, Emmett does his full elbow crawl, his up onto the to the ridge, and we can see uh, down into the into the canyon. And the one wooden structure. There's two tents, lots of barrels and and wooden crates strewn around. Do I have to say wooden crates, or is that no? Does does crate just denote a wooden box? Yeah, crate crate is a, a box made out of wooden slats, so it's not okay, an airtight so box. So it's like it's like I don't have to say this chat, right? All exactly, chaps all chaps are by definition. <laughs> so I don't have to say wooden crate; it's just crate. Okay, crates are are wooden, barrels are wooden. You know. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dozily notes and Marzily notes. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so there seem to be about 20 to 25 guys, as well as sort of a makeshift horse corral um, with, I, I can't really tell how many horses are in there. There's several. I'm, I'm sure it's an accurate number. Let's let's assume one, one per bandit or yeah. one per bandit plus maybe a couple for a cart or a, or a wagon or something. It's not, it's not, doesn't look like real fencing. It looks like they've just jammed sticks, tallish sticks, tallish, straightish sticks into the ground close enough to, you know, sort of infer fence to the horses. Yeah. They seem like fairly tame horses, you know, that, that don't necessarily. Right. Uh, we we to... see it a little bit later, but it looks like they've, they've very sparsely strung a little bit of uh, barbed wire yeah, along okay. them. It's like, yeah, like you said, it's. It really isn't enough to stop a horse if they wanted right. to go, but you know they're domestic and they're like, "Oh, this is right. where we go." Right. This is where we'll stay, and you know, if the food dries up, then we'll think about getting out. So, there's a dirt path that comes through the canyon that's pretty well trodden. The camp itself is in sort of a rocky, well, a snow-covered rocky clearing, right? Right. It, it and appropriately for a snowy hide out there, at least two guys tending a fire and, and two more chopping firewood. And none of the tents or, or barrels or crates have much to any snow on them, which leads me to believe they may have just put this hideout together recently, like after some. some it's the sort of but, thing that you move around a lot or you use it as a work surface or whatever. I mean, up top with our heroes, uh, there, there's snow on the ground, but it's like that, that real light dusting you get when it's really cold, but it still insists on yeah. trying to snow. Little tiny crystals. <laughs> and, you know, they're in the mountains, so yeah. theoretically they, they get, you know, there, there would be some snow that just hung around there for a while. But Yeah, yeah. Well, it does at least explain all the massive amount of clothing that the, everybody's always wearing. Because at the early parts of the movie, it looks like we're in a more temperate area, but yet everybody's yeah. still got so many layers on. I'm like... I'm just getting sweaty just watching these people. I don't realize how cold they're because like even here, I would expect to see like their breath while they're up there on the ridge, but yeah, right. You don't really No. So I'm not sure what's up there. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the whole thing was set in, or shot in New Mexico where there's plenty of that sort of high desert, you know, where you get up into the mountains, things get cool and, and snowy and you get down a little bit lower and it's, Hot and sweaty, and yeah, <laughs> it, it just confuses me and yeah. doubles my wardrobe expenses. So, um, <laughs> we look around the the hideout, and there are various men doing other jobs. Uh, we can see about half of the the men from the camp are are gathered around a small cart, and it's all men. There's no, I mean, no indication that there are any any women there, but half of them are gathered around a small cart or wagon, some something that looks like it would have had horses attached to it at some point, but 
doesn't at this moment. And you see them looking through a trunk and then they close the lid. And I think we can sort of infer that this is the the loot they stole from the wagon train. Right. Seems a little conveniently timed, but you know, okay. <laughs> yeah. But as, yes, exactly. They they're find them looking through exactly the thing that they came looking for. So, but the camera, the camera then jumps back to the good guys and the camera's still sort of where we left it on the ground, giving everybody in profile. And Payton looks over at Emmett and says, you know, hanging around with you is no picnic. And then the camera cuts to an overhead shot and we can, we can see like the backs of our, of the good guys heads. Right. Um, as they're looking down into the Canyon and we can then see down into the Canyon. So you're seeing them and the Canyon at the same time, which is sort of a new, new view for us. But once again, you can see, Conrad's head sticking out further than anybody else's. And right. that's still on. This Sunlight's guy's got still, a death wish. <laughs> yeah. Sunlight's still glinting off of his rifle barrel as it sticks out past the rim of the canyon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully he's a good farmer. This is about the time that the, we, we finally hear some score kick in, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not exactly sure if it's before or after the line. Emmett asks, anybody got any ideas? Right around here, we, we do have some score kick up. Ah. It stays kind of low in the mix, but it, it'll it pick up shortly. Right. It's a, it has some uh, some very familiar feelings to it, as if maybe cribbing from things that have just been popular very recently to the shooting of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that Empire Star Wars-y sort of feel to it, right? Yeah. You know, it's got the... the oboe and the violins and even the celeste it uses the little celeste ring you know that's kind of a quiet and almost chimey but it's really a like a weird piano yeah i i don't i mean maybe that was just the style at the time or i mean having kasdan be there obviously puts it in the front of your mind right and you know this is it's not john williams showing up to do this uh this is no bruce boughton boughton i think his score was nominated I don't know if it was for a, an Academy Award, but one of the big, bigger motion picture awards. Well, yeah, when it when it goes into full Western mode, it's really yeah. good. I mean, yeah, not not wanting to say that you know he's like cribbing or cheating or stealing or anything, but there's some definite moments where it's like, man, that whole phrase was lifted right out of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely felt that as I was watching the 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 whole thing through. It, it's a quality score. I enjoyed it, but it, it definitely rang some very true phrases to me, very, right. very reminiscent phrases to me. So. Yeah, it was of its time, but at least it did its job well. Agreed. Right. Agreed. I, I enjoyed it as a whole. I think I even, uh, I looked it up online and I remember, I think I played through parts of it before I got distracted. It That happens to me a lot. I'm like, I'm <laughs> going to go look that up on, on my favorite streaming platform that I'm not going to mention my name. No, I, I <laughs> who knows? I, I don't remember where I looked it and then, you know, you punch it in and you, you listen to like two tracks of it and you have to go to a meeting and then you forget about it for a little right. bit, whatever. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's the, the life of a podcaster. You guys We're always taking meetings. <laughs> no, or something. no, okay. that's the life <laughs> of you. Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah, Emmett asks, anybody got any ideas? And then we get a pretty quick cut to a spot around the campfire down in the hideout and we get five uh we'll call these the bad guys right yeah uh, standing around the fire pouring drinks some are getting their drinks from a from a wooden cask which i presume uh, which i uh, presume 
is whiskey. But one guy's getting coffee poured for him from one of those enameled steel kettles, you know, you know kind of slopey sided things. Have you ever had cowboy coffee? I have not. Have you? You? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Many oh. times. Um, it's a thing. You know, often when camping, someone decides they want to try their hand at it. And it, it's got, I mean, like all coffee brewing methods, it's got the like, you know, grounds, hot water and, and time kind of thing going on for it. But this is really just a bucket of hot water and some some pretty coarse grounds that you throw in there. And there's a few methods that people use to try and filter it, sort of. <laughs> uh, a lot of people will tell you to mix an egg and the shells with the grounds and as it sort of heats up the egg congeals like eggs do and kind of bind, binds with the grinds and then it all kind of sinks or you can easily scoop it out later some people say that you can just put the coffee in a sock and put it in the thing but <laughs> i mean i'd want that to be a virgin sock if if it were me yeah what's the point now <laughs> yeah 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 but uh these these guys really don't seem like they are clean sock or egg types so yeah um <laughs> who's got fresh third, eggs <laughs> yeah i think the third method is to just like pour a little bit of cold water in there and it the, the grounds will eventually set, settle down but these are probably not your coffee connoisseurs so anyway no <laughs> i mean they're drinking out of 10 cups so you know it's mostly going to taste like metal it's mostly going to taste like metal right so the man who's tapping the keg for for his whiskey says you really did it this time, Nord. And I'm, I'm trying to get the, the voice down, and it's hard. Oh, man. Hard to do. He's got a very distinct kind of, uh, it's all like, like you were doing, it's almost congested. Almost like he's yeah. clamping down at the back of his throat to get this weird kind of growl. But the thing was, I had no idea who this was, and but then he's from a distance, oh. but he spoke, yeah. and I instantly knew what I was going to see when the close-up <laughs> happened. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's very young here. Yeah. Well, he's... <laughs> Compared to what I was used to. I'm used yes, to seeing right. him very gray. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, this gentleman's a character actor of a, of a certain variety. Yeah. Very good voice. Very good look to him. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, let's hold him for tomorrow. We'll give him his, his full rundown tomorrow. Nah, he... Just because the... Well, well, we'll get there. And we'll get this, there. This, this minute ends with like a perfect ending to a Movies by Minute episode, so... I'd like to preserve that. We'll give him right. his due uh, tomorrow. All right. All so, righty then. <laughs> so he says, you really did it this time, Nord. It, but in like in an appreciative way, not like you really did it this time. You, you really put your foot in it. It's like you, you really did it. You did yeah, a good job. It, at first I thought there was complaining going on and then I'm like, oh, yeah. he means you really did do something nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and his sidekick, the guy behind him kind of slugs down his whiskey I assume it was whiskey, not the hot coffee, because the way he drinks it. Anyway, Nord, who replies, thanks, boss. Tom did his part, too. And Nord is the one who got the coffee. So Nord and boss, will call him at this point, clink their enameled cups together with a pretty lazy cheers. And Tom just kind of stands there looking like he doesn't know what to do with his arms. <laughs> he's he's not a B player in this. He's definitely a C player. Because <laughs> yeah, right. the guy who plays Nord, I don't even know who that is, but I've seen him before. He was very familiar when we saw him earlier, too. So Yeah, yeah. This second lets us know that these are Nord Baxter and Tom Hawley from earlier in the movie. The guys who led the, the wagon train astray and stole their bankroll. This is very much the, the old bad guys that pretend to be good guys and take advantage of the good guys because they're too good kind of trope. Yep. 
this movie is not afraid to live in Tropeville. Well, you know, the, it's it's basically like a very successful index of, of the most popular tropes. Sure. Yeah. That That's what people who are really into Westerns are kind of into. They, they might be interested in having a few cool details that maybe are unique, but they, they want a story that's like one of the ones that they've already appreciated. Yeah. And this being sort of a reconstruction of a very specific style of Western, I think. Right. It's trying to sort of cram all of those tropes in. So. Right. All the things that you liked about every Western ever, except for a couple of dark things, here it is. Yeah, exactly. Now we get a, a jump cut to the entrance to the canyon, and uh, Emmett, it, I don't know if it was clear to tell it was Emmett right from the beginning, but it, I think so. Within a yeah. couple of seconds, he, you can tell he's, he's riding in on a white horse, and he's traveling at a pretty good pace. I, I don't really know horse gates very well, but seems like a fast trot or a slow gallop, or maybe that's a canter. I don't know. It's... <laughs> They're moving uh, along pretty quickly. What's a canter? Uh, it's, it's the guy who stands up in front of the synagogue and chants the the prayers for all, all I know. But that's kind of what right. I thought. Yeah. No, it's it's a speed of, of it's horse trotting. Yeah. It's um it's a thing. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> some horse people out there are yelling at their podcast catchers right now, being like, "It's a gallop, you ninnies." Is that an insult in horse land? I don't know. Oh no, ninnies. Know. Ninnies are horses, yes. Okay, I didn't know that. Anyway, maybe I don't know. So uh, Emmett is leading; he's riding the white horse, and he's leading a brown horse with what looks like an unconscious body laying over the saddle, whose the, the unconscious body's hat is still meticulously in place, which seems almost impossible at that speed and position. I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. It's like it's yeah. stapled to his head. Yeah, which. Sort of another Western trope, right? Like, yeah, you never lose your hat. <laughs> well, the hat doesn't come off unless the hat is the plot point of coming off, and which we already had earlier in the movie. So, as the horse horse is near the camera, it sort of begins to swing and follow them, but then does a quick pan up the cliff face to show us a sentry with a rifle in an Overwatch position. This guy's sort of a terrible sentry, though, right? Like, yeah. where where he's positioned. He can only see who's coming into the canyon as they pass him. Yeah. And, and that's what he does here, right? Like he's sort of tucked in behind a rock face where if he were above that, he could see who's coming through the canyon. But I have a terrible habit of giving people the benefit of the doubt. So this is my explanation for what he's doing. Do it. Uh, he's not wanting to be up on the, the rim of the canyon because then he could be seen from a distance because it's pretty flat on the side that he's on. Okay. And so he's found the only spot where he could be down below the level of the canyon, but still have like kind of a concealed spot with a good uh, range of fire. So maybe this is a defensive position and not a sentry position. You wouldn't want them to see you as they're coming in. You, If somebody is mm. coming in to attack you, you would want to be able to snipe from behind. As a, a terrible sentry, right? <laughs> he, he does. Well, no, I guess either way he's doing badly because he's, positioned poorly for sentry work but then he gets unknown people trotting into his hideout and does not take that shot at them right no so now he just yells coming in coming in is that what he yells i yep. I, I was either yelling coming coming out that's kind of what it sounded like or i'm a noun or <laughs> uh Her, herman known 
You're not supposed to be a noun. You're supposed to be verbing right now. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, whatever it is that he yells, it, it it's not what I probably would have yelled. I would have just yelled, hey. No, that's, <laughs> All right, that's an in-joke from another podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it seems to do the job, right? Because yes. back at the fire, uh, the yelling has gotten the attention of the boss and his sidekick and the cookie. Right, the the, yep. the cook at the fire. Have you all... notice how smoothly they all move from whatever they were doing to turning the <laughs> face out, drawing their guns, and drawing the hammers of their guns all in the same motion. Well, it's now, kind of funny because if you if you watch it pretty quickly, the sidekick actually seems to have his gun out already. His his cup is already down, and his gun is in his hand. Yeah, like as they cut back to him. But but yeah, you're right. They the boss for sure does a smooth motion of like cup down hand back gun hand it, he's really smooth about it so but it's it's all these actors are literally they, they've been steeped in the tradition of working in westerns for so long that they yeah. always they, they draw and they pull the hammer even if they're not intending to fire right away yeah, yeah. just because it's menacing and there, there's a lot more on-set sound being recorded yeah and, and it's weird because it seems like everybody draws now, but then later you hear a lot more hammer drawing. <laughs> and like, I guess it's just to, you know, it's that whole stereotype of you got to draw hammers or ratchet around to, to be manly yeah. and scary. <laughs> yeah, it's the old cocking of the shotgun, which, as we all know, would, would lose you around if you did it <laughs> over and over again without firing. But yeah, it's a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you notice that Nord. And Tom are both just kind of still standing there. Like Tom again doesn't even he doesn't even seem to be really looking in the same direction, um, and he still can't figure out what to do with his arms. <laughs> I think maybe that's why the sidekick already had his gun out because he was getting ready to shoot Tom for being so awkward. Potentially, <laughs> no, I don't think so. But the rest of the background players their their faces look up in the direction of the yelling, and then the boss and and, and those guys start to to head in that direction. Nord ditches his coffee cup like he just throws it down he's got no respect for the for the enamel cup right? hmm. tom's arms just stay there straight pinned to the side he moves off <laughs> he's no cowboy he's no cowboy Emmett turns both of the horses i guess off the the main trail and rides in further into the camp past two guys inexplicably carrying buckets i don't know hmm. they don't make any attempt to impede his progress but once he's past them they they very gently set down the buckets and they put their hands back on their down on their pistols so they're they're getting in on all the the drawn and cock and fun so oh, yeah yeah and most of them have drawn by the time he's gone past which is yeah. weird yeah. If, yeah i mean you could hear the horse coming in i mean and yeah. someone yells coming in and you're just gonna yeah. stand there and go like well i hope this guy ain't gonna kill me <laughs> it does seem they I mean, as as quick as they are to be drawing, they seem pretty slow on the draw. So. I, I don't know. Do you think that that this kind of stuff is just constant for them? So every time something weird happens, we got to stop and make sure we know who it is before we just blast them. Maybe. I mean, you kind of you see Tom and Nord had been out on their own job, right, and then right. come in with the spoils of that job, and you know who knows how long that could have potentially taken them to do. Right? Did they leave this hideout in the morning? Go to whatever town that was? Uh, something. Uh, Tarley. 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 Something. Okay. Tarley. Yeah. And meet up with the wagon train. But I mean, it would have taken some time for them to be known to the wagon train people. 
I mean, this is like a multi-day operation, yeah. right? So they could have yeah. been gone. They should have been. This has been like a week, I think, you know, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's hard to tell. That's one of the main problems I have with the movie is that I could just never really work out the, the, the time frames. <laughs> Because it stretches out forever, and then all of a sudden everything happens at once. So, so maybe there are like fifty guys in this gang, and there's like twenty five ish here now, and there are other ones out on other jobs, and just you know, it's uh, it's like the mob. You know, you, you've got the boss who's taking a percentage off everybody's job, and everybody's earning, so everyone does well. It's uh, you know, I don't know. It's disorganized crime. Disor exactly. So <laughs> Emmett is still sort of riding into camp but as he gets alongside that cart that they were all looking at the the box earlier he sort of hops off the horse and loops the reins around the cart for both horses and then as he runs <laughs> he runs past the boss and his sidekick without even really looking at them right he's not right stopping to talk to anybody he he bolts past them and and the rest of the gathered outlaws and as he as he runs past everyone, each one tends to cock a gun at him and and sort of point it at his back. So they don't really make any motion to slow him down, right? Like no, no one gets in his way. No one. I mean, a couple guys actually jump back a step as he's walking through. His hands are empty. Yeah, he doesn't have a gun. So in his hands, he's not so. going to shoot you, but okay. maybe yeah. he's got a knife, or he's just going to punch you or step on your feet. I don't know. <laughs> You know, theoretically, I don't think we see it in this particular shot, but he's got his gun on his belt, right? So Right, but he's wearing his long coat, so yeah, his right. draw is going to be impeded. If you just step back with your gun pointed at him, you've got him. Yeah, yeah. But as em- Emmett runs into the camp, he gets to a pile of crates and barrels and crouches down behind them with his, his you know, he leaves his back to the to the crowd of bandits, all with cocked weapons, and he's scanning the rim of the canyon, and he's looking frightened you know more frightened of some some foe that no one else can see than than he is from this score of cocked weapons at his back oh yeah he just acts as if he didn't even notice that these people he's pretending to be your allies i'm I'm one of you you guys yeah Yeah, right my back is exposed to you so yeah 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 but the the boss and his sidekick they they rush up right behind emmett uh sidekick has his pistol pointed like a foot from emmett's exposed back and the crowd around him are all sort of doing likewise. Tom seems to be having a little trouble getting his gloved finger into the finger well of his, <laughs> or into the trigger well of his gun. So I, I just think he's not cut out for this. No, no. He needs to practice more. The uh, sidekick asks, should I kill him, Mr. Dawson? And the, the boss who we now know is Mr. Dawson. Dawson. Yeah. He responds, yeah. in a minute. That's not exactly where That's the minute it. ends. That's this, but it's that's that's what I wanted to end on. Yeah, you know, we get like another half second after that, but that's that's really the perfect line to end a, a movies by minute podcast on. In a minute, <laughs> no, all right, that's it's fine, it's fine. It, okay. Your your impersonation of the this actor is uh, eh. in a minute. In a I don't minute. know if I could do it any better. Yeah, in a minute. Yeah, you, you you've got the more labored breathing. Uh, yeah, you have to really down. clamp down on your throat yeah. to get that noise. In a minute. That's closer. But yeah, you're a little okay. more, you're actually more uh, intentionally aggressive sounding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this Sorry. dude seems completely calm. In a minute. A little. <laughs> no. Uh, it's a closer sound, but the, the that way, it's almost like you're asking a question. <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> All right. So, in a minute. 
Yeah, in a minute. Listeners can find the Silverado podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, SilveradoMinute.com. Come check out our social media at The Midnight Star, the Silverado Midnight Listeners Saloon on Facebook. And on Twitter, we're just at SilveradoMXM. You can you can find our stuff at edgeoftomorrowminute.com or come join our Facebook listeners group at No Jacket Required, an Edge of Tomorrow Minute listeners group. If you don't put all that on the end, you're probably going to find yourself hanging out with a bunch of people who love Phil Collins. I mean, you're going to do that in our group too, yeah. I mean, right? I, yeah. I love Phil Collins, but, you know, just not in that way. Right. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming to the minute, y'all. Uh-huh.